Welcome back to Who the Hell is This For? Kansas City's most car-driving podcast. That's right. We've got triples of the Barracuda. How are you boys doing? Doing Hold pretty on. good. Hold on. Yep, the deal just went through. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did the car bit without remembering to say the title of the movie, which is uh, Dad Anime Ford vs. Ferrari. <laughs> Before we get into that and what we've been watching, I once again want to plug, uh, just continue to support uh, any marginalized population in this community, uh, make a donation to a cause, any marginalized population in our country, not just our community, but uh, make, I'm probably just too far from the phone. Um, So... If you make a donation to any cause supporting a marginalized community uh, within your uh, city, our country, across the world, uh, there is a lot to do right now with continued evictions or uh, evictions are going to continue uh, with the Delta variant still happening. So consider just helping out where you can. Uh, If you do and send us a receipt, we will review a movie of your choice. Am I any better now, guys? What was the problem? Jeff said I was too quiet. I, you, you sound, yeah, you sound really quiet on Skype, at least for me. I don't know if Jeff, it's... Jeff, do you have your volume up? Yeah. Riley, how do I sound? Um, you, I, I think you sound fine. And I have you at pretty low volume. It appears to be a me and Jeff problem. We'll work I'm... through this one in therapy. <laughs> I was most, like, Riley sounds pretty loud to me, and you sound pretty quiet in comparison, so... Well, my mic is fine because I, I have a separate mic going into my computer. I'm leaving all this in, by the way. Notoriously loud person, Riley. Yes, and notoriously quiet person, me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and talk about what we have been watching this uh, past, you know, unspecified amount of time. Because we did have to push, you know, some real life things got in the way. I'd, I might go first because I want to. I watched The Ritual again. A Jeff favorite. Oh, fuck yeah. I love that movie. I watched a classic horror story, uh, Italian Netflix original, which it's fun. It there's it takes some turns and it's a little messy, but it's very fun. And I enjoy it a lot. Uh, I rewatched pod favorite, The Empty Man, which just yeah. bangs. And the more I watch it, the higher I am on it. It's so good. I love The Empty Man. Watch Black Widow, which was fine and then ford versus ferrari and i've been working my way through hunter hunter as well also did a full reread of demon slayer and read through all of chainsaw man nice which chainsaw man is soon to be an upcoming anime so look out for that one nice what about you boys uh yeah so let's see i well i guess i should say we um we finished out the Fear Street series. Oh, I still need to watch uh, two and three. Oh, they got so much better after. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Some people, I, I feel like the common consensus is 66 is better than 78. Um, I think it's the other way around. I thought 78 landed more for me. You're uh, a big 70s horror guy, though. Right. So, I mean, 66 was good, and they do a good job of tying everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a good series overall. I'm glad I watched it. Um, watched The Final Girls. Yeah. Uh, which was super fun. Um, uh, recently reviewed by our friends at Nightmare Junkie. Right. That's where I got the idea to watch it. So was 
thank you for the recommendation, guys. Um, I was hesitant because, I, you know, horror comedy for me is kind of a hit or miss. This was a well, and the way that one presents itself before you actually watch it is a tough sell, right? But it was it was a big hit. Um, let's see, Ford versus Ferrari, and then this week watched Creepshow and Creepshow Two Ooh. for the first time. Oh my god! Okay, favorite. What was your favorite short? Um. Oh god. Uh. Now I'm trying to think back to all of them. Well, Creepshow One gets points because Tom Atkins is in the opening sketch. Yes, um, and young Ted Danson. Yes, um, young Ted Danson and Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's a wild one. I like. Uh, I think that is my favorite. See, I think my favorite one is the uh, the monster under the stairs. Yeah, that one's probably my favorite. I definitely like Creepshow One more than Creepshow Two. It's stronger for sure. Um. Creepshow 2 did have some good sketches. Um, the bug one in Creepshow 1 is actively hard for me to watch. Like, yeah. But man, oh, it's so good, though, at the same time. like, um, Oh, you know what else Creepshow 1 has? A real selling point for Jeff. Uh, Ed ha- young Ed Harris ooh. having some cocktails, getting a little loose and dancing. Hell yeah. Very young Ed Harris. Interesting. I'm trying to think of the youngest Ed Harris. They call him Ed Full of Harris. You know what's funny is so I didn't like grow up. This is a weird detour, but like Ed I wasn't ha- allowed to watch Ed Harris. <laughs> <laughs> my parents thought it was witchcraft. Uh, Not no, in this house. But in 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 my mind, like um, like Ed Harris and Woody Harrelson are very similar, like looking characters. Like they don't do the same thing. Obviously, Woody Harrelson does a lot more comedic stuff. But it's funny because like I know what Woody Harrelson looks like with hair because of Cheers. And so I'm just like imagining the exact same and person. Okay, so I'm too. not a Cheers head. Um, I don't know everybody's name. Uh, Woody Harrelson is on Cheers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Yeah, that's like how he got his start. Huh. So Cheers, and you got the Ted Danson connection there too. Cheers has launched a lot of people. You you know Frasier was from Cheers, right? Yes, yes. I'm listening. Okay. But you know he was a character on Cheers that they made a spinoff into Frasier. Right. Sherry, Jeff. Yes, I know this. I, now I just want to do Frasier bits. Can we be the Frasier cast? I'm sure that has to already exist, right? Uh, yeah, but we'll do it better. To salad and scrambled eggs. Baby, I hear the blues are calling. I think uh, this is going to be the episode that really. Uh, I know Jack from A to Z Horror is really going to f- vibe with this one. He's a big, uh, big Frasier head. Anyways, that had young Ed Harris, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Great movies. Oh, uh, have you watched any of the series? I have not. Um, it's just just watch the movies. I watched a few episodes, and they were pretty good to okay, and some of them weren't. And I I lost interest. The movie is miles ahead. Right. Streets beyond. Where did you watch Creepshow, Riley? Um, so Creepshow 2, I believe, is free on Prime, and then we rented uh, the first one on Prime. Gotcha, gotcha. okay. I'm going to have to try that one. We're um, Yeah, I think you would like Creepshow a lot. Even though it's, it's August, in the very beginning of August, we're already starting to plan out 
like Halloween season. Buddy, <clears throat> we've got a we've got a cool breeze going today. I we're in fall now, baby. Switching over from IPAs to dark beers only. Starting I'm gonna to wear, wear the jean everywhere. jacket to work tomorrow. <laughs> Wearing a denim jacket in 80 degree weather because there was a cool breeze one day. August hey, hit. P- people in LA do it. That's true. Just the slightest chill in the air, and Nirvana just comes playing through, like a little like <laughs> bell coming through, <laughs> ushering in the season. Like the uh, like the grave bell they tie to your toe, except it's a. Uh, <laughs> The string is connected to a boombox, and when it hit plays, <laughs> it plays Smells Like Teen Spirit. <laughs> like really oh. faint. Oh my god, he's alive. <laughs> Another thing we've been watching, um, we started Wellington Paranormal on HBO. Oh, is that how good? is that? It's pretty good so far. Okay. Uh, we like it a lot. Is it, I mean, I know it's by the same creators. Yeah, <clears> same, <throat> I mean, same beats and everything, so. Okay. Same how for the audience. How do about Taika now? Really um, quick, just for the audience, in case you're not keeping up, Wellington Paranormal is done by the same people as what we do in the shadows. So that's where I went into take it. Movie and TV show. Correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. Are are we a little? Are we just me? A little burnt on uh, Taika? Well, you're now? the most hipster of us, so yeah, probably I'm, just you. <laughs> I'm resistant to Taika burnout because it seems like a very prevalent opinion on film Twitter. Like that, film that's Twitter. fair, and I don't want to. Right, it's like the mother, father. You pull the tree of life thing with Brad Pitt, the monologue about the two <laughs> directions he's being pulled. But it's me not wanting to have the same opinion as film Twitter, but also not wanting to like Taika. Right, right. I mean, the the overwhelming. Just to again clue in the listeners on, if you're not on film Twitter, it's probably better for you. It's yeah, an exhausting no, it's place a great choice. Anyways, there is a lot of like obviously Taika Waititi is a a very well-known, has done a lot of independent film prior to Ragnarok, right? And so, and I like Ragnarok. Let it be known, like, I like Ragnarok correct. a lot. But post-Ragnarok, people seem to have the opinion that Tekka has sold out, that he's lost a lot of his independent voice, and I think that is probably both partially true in that the movies he's doing now or the ones that he's involved with are bigger and less independent and maybe a little less soulful. That's a, a blanket that statement. And, like, I mean, but I so I think it's like a it's also a reflection of the larger conversation in film Twitter, which is just like MCU versus everything, which is mm-hmm. one of the most exhausting conversations to ever be a part of. So we don't necessarily mm-hmm. need to completely do it here, but it and seems I'm, to I'm be I'm also so on like on that boat I, I like many of the Marvel movies. I like them a lot. I've been a comic book guy for a long time, but also like really just kind of tired of, you know, Disney and blockbusters in general, kind of choking out everything else and trying to homogenize everything into like one visual media style. Like it's all that I have a huge issue with, but like I still like stuff. I'm still going to see Shang-Chi. I saw Black Widow, wasn't a huge fan, but you know, I gave it a shot. I'm also like I'm not I I'm I've just kind of hit the point where I'm like I'm not on one side of the fence or the other. I'll watch the movies, take them as big popcorn movies and kind of go from there, but also very just annoyed with the way Disney but does business. Oh yeah. I think there's and it's a, it's a hard thing because again, the the MCU and the movies there are both emblematic of Disney's approach to everything and they're also like deeply felt by a fan base that did not have good stuff 
for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like it's it's kind of both. And if if you love them, obviously I've seen all of them. I'm probably going to continue seeing most of them. I don't know if I'm going to see them all in theaters, but we'll see. Greg Lichtai is driving to our houses right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I think less like I'm less worried about whether or not you actually like the MCU or not, and mm-hmm. more just like it just seems to be infecting every conversation. And that's, that's where I was going with the, with the Taika thing is that it doesn't even necessarily seem to be totally about Taika. It seems to be about his part of the larger discourse that other people are railing mm-hmm. against. See, and for me, it's like he's doing the whole media cycle thing, prepping for Thor Love and Thunder right now, talking about how crazy this movie is. Man, I'm surprised they let us make this movie. And it's going to like you're going to see a butt or something. That's his wild and crazy plan. <laughs> or like, I don't know, just... It's it's the same thing that happened with WandaVision. It's the same thing that's happening with everything else, just being blown way, way out. And it's nothing... It's not anything new or adventurous, uh, where I feel like Ragnarok at the time was. Um, and then also just like... I know he's not attached to the production of it, but man, seeing him in Free Guy certainly does not leave a great taste. You know what I think about Free Guy? I think it's probably... Is that it stinks? It's Hold on. It's probably going to suck. But it's probably going to be a lot better because people have so overcorrected to it's going to be the worst movie mm-hmm. ever. It's probably going to be like a perfectly fine TBS with commercials movie on Saturday afternoon. I think I'm going to put it right with uh, Adam Sandler bedtime stories. Oh, see, and I haven't seen that one. I don't know. That's Would a pretty you... big insult. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, which movie is, is Taika not? I would assume Taika was just in it because of his relationship with Ryan Reynolds. I mean, probably, and I mean this also. I mean, who is, doesn't want to make movies with their friends? It true, and he's not—he's just an actor, right? Like he's yeah, not. Well, that's what I'm saying. He's not attached to a production, and yeah. he's been—he was—he's been an actor in a terrible Ryan Reynolds movie before, um, potentially a much worse Ryan Reynolds movie. I—I I would want—I would assume that that's the joke that they go for in the movie. I'm almost certain they go for it. Yeah. Uh, let it be known, Riley and I were big Green Lantern Lantern heads when it came out, though. Well, I'll own that. <laughs> yeah, I, whatever. Well, I was like, night. "What do you mean, were?" <laughs> yeah, I, it's hard for me to have problems with movies. I think that's a great quality. Yeah. Hey, should we? Oh no, Jeff, you have to tell us what you've been watching. I was gonna say, should we go yeah, into our I'll movie have before to. we do another forty-five do it now. minutes? I'll make mine brief. Um, so I did two things uh, this this last time, and I did them at the same time. Uh, one is that I, one of them is that I watched the Forever Purge, um, and the other one is that I took a Delta Eight gummy, thinking it would be <laughs> like CBD, and it is not like CBD. It is very much like the real thing. Um, and I'm not going to say the Forever Purge has like a great linear storytelling, <laughs> but in the second half of that movie, I was underwater and did not understand what was going on. They're in a tunnel, going to Mexico at one point. Um, a lot of people die. Um, it, I don't know. I had a good time with the Forever Purge. I probably need to see it again, but <laughs> I gave it on Letterboxd. I gave it four out of five stars. I had a really fun time watching it. Um, I also saw you use the uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place meme <laughs> with it as well. I know writers that use subtlety, subtext, and they're all cowards. Uh, which is how I feel about that movie. That movie is. It, what I love it's about, all text. Yeah, what I love about the Purge and the Purge series, because I actually like the Purge series. I think the first one's the best. I mm. think this one is maybe next. 
Uh, the Frank Grillo one was kind of interesting as well. I think that's the Purge 3 or Purge 2, maybe. Um, but what I like about The Purge is that it's just like, it. it's a movie that knows what it is. It's the closest mm-hmm. thing you get to like a, an action movie that just has horror thrown in like just because. Um, and I don't know, like I, I kind of view it as like, this is a weird comparison and Riley's going to hate it. You're, if you say Predator, I'm ending the no, podcast. No, 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 no. The way I feel about The Purge is that they are akin to Fast and Furious because, <laughs> hold on, hold on, because they know exactly what they're doing. They're not making any apologies for it. They're just like, this is what the movie is. I don't give a fuck whether or not you think it's clever or whether or not you think it has any subtlety at all. This is just what we're doing, and you can like it or not. It's obviously just like kind of doing the franchise in different versions of itself. Uh, I think all of them are are enjoyable. <clears throat> so that's the, that's where the comparisons stop. I'm just saying it is a version of that in the horror universe where it's not sure. really trying to do much else. It's just kind of mm-hmm. trying to do its thing. I think that's fine. I, I think there's a very good and needed place for that in the horror world. It feels... Here's how I feel about liking the Purge series. It feels very, like, dumb bro horror, and I kind of don't care. You know what I mean? Like, I just kind of like it, and I understand if people are like, those are dumb movies, and I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's fine. <laughs> yeah. they for me. Yeah, exactly. That's why, that's why I was getting so upset with people that were treating F9 critically. You yeah. know what I mean? Like It's beyond criticism. Right. <laughs> it does not exist in a state where criticism makes sense. It is ascended <laughs> beyond any other film. <laughs> it, it's the Dr. Manhattan of movies. <laughs> I'm tired of these critics and their lives. <laughs> <laughs> Just the Dr. Manhattan meme where he's exploding Rorschach and Rorschach is... Cr- film criticism and dr manhattan is the fast and furious franchise it's more like it's it's dominic toretto <laughs> he's got the bald head and everything bald head blue dong present in both all right boogity 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 let's go racing boys let's talk about ford versus ferrari so before we get into the actual breakdown of the movie a quick synopsis American automotive designer Carol Shelby and fearless British race car driver Ken Miles battle corporate interference, the laws of physics, and their own personal demons to build a revolutionary vehicle for the Ford Motor Company. Together, they plan to compete against the race cars of Enzo Ferrari at the 24 Hours of Le Mans in France in 1966. Uh, Directed by James Mangold, who you might know from Old Man Logan, or uh, Logan, uh, starring Matt Damon and Christian Bale. Essentially, that's your biggest selling point as far as the cast goes in this movie. And then Riley, if you want, so Riley has the deepest connection with racing in general out of the three of us. I feel like uh, I know I've I've grown up with NASCAR and stock car racing, um, but without a wider understanding and knowledge of kind of the international racing scene, I've started to get a little bit more into MotoGP. Which, by the way, race week we're back. Can't wait. Um, but Riley, I know you've been you've been tapped into that scene for a lot longer and uh, with a bit more understanding. So kind of give us just general kind of cultural context around this movie, uh, Le Mans 66, Le Mans in general, just kind of what what some of the bigger themes and things in this movie mean. Um, well, obviously, the biggest theme of this movie is capitalism is bad. But yes, uh, welcome to the cause, Comrade Shelby. <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, I will say that one thing, 
you know, this movie does a really good job of doing is really setting the scene of what this race meant back then. Um, I mean, this was, you know, the I guess for lack of better term, it's it was like the world's race. Like, this is what everyone mm-hmm. shot for. Um, and so, I again, not sure. 24-Hour Le Mans still happening? It does still happen, and that's uh, what I was going to go on to with my next point is, you know, cultural-wise, the 24-hour, any, any kind of endurance race, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't hear anything about. Um, I think one of the points we'll probably talk about at some point um, later on in this episode is that, you know, yeah, on the TV, they had, ABC had the race running what seemed to be on a full, lo- you know, on a full cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, now you would have to, you'd have to buy a sp- subscription of some kind to just even see it at all. I mean, there's, and that, that comes into a bigger aspect of American sports. Um, you know, Europeans, you know, that's obviously a bigger deal or pretty much the world racing is a much bigger, or I guess that type of racing has a much bigger impact culturally than it does mm-hmm. here in America. You know, obviously art, we had other sports blow up, you know, foot, NFL, NBA, mm-hmm. Baseball stayed around. <laughs> um, well, and I mean the, you know the unfortunate thing, or the unfortunate like cultural pairing, quote unquote. And I'm not, I'm not going to stereotype a wide population because I am, you know, I'm a big NASCAR guy, uh, off and on. I've like, it's not a joke when I talk about how much I love Dale Earnhardt. That's like truly, he's one of the most incredible athletes to have ever done it, and I think he deserves as much and not if not more respect than he actually gets. Um, but anyway, like, you know, it's NASCAR has become associated with, you know, kind of the, it, it's seen as a lower income thing. It's seen as a, you know, quote unquote redneck thing when really like it, it's a very accessible sport for people or it should be. Um, and, that, and, and I think that's what they're working towards. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say with, I mean, Bubba Wallace, everything um, he's, he's done a lot of really great stuff um, on the track to, kind of move towards that. I think in general, they are heading in that direction and upsetting a lot of their existing bases. They do. So it's, it's kind of a frustrating thing to see. Whereas I feel like racing internationally, it's seen as the, you know, big money, upper class type of thing and the upper crust uh, with a lot of the people, or at least who are able to attend. I think, I don't know if this has anything to do with the movie. I've kind of gotten off into a America versus the world versus America rant, but that's fine. Um, the biggest problem with American motorsports is, and I think this is with American sports in general, is we have gotten to the point where America's mindset is our version is the version we're going to focus on. Mm-hmm. Prime example, uh, NASCAR, not so much because NASCAR, I mean, you have, you have F1, MotoGP, you have mm-hmm. racers over in Europe who said they grew up wanting to be a NASCAR driver. Yeah. So that's obviously gotten a bigger draw internationally. But, I mean, you have F1. We have IndyCar, which is a super small following. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think what would bring racing into a more of the spotlight would be if we focused more on... Uh, I don't know. I can't think of the word. Intermingling. <laughs> or building mm-hmm. a like a... 
some kind of channel to get our young racers into the world stage versus absolutely um a la moto america is our is our is the u.s versions uh u.s version of moto gp okay um which recently we've seen a couple guys get over to the moto gp grid but um i think we just need more avenues for people mm-hmm. to say this is where you need to go well, this is stock how you car racing is so insular it's right. such like an insulated environment, uh, like you were talking about. We don't have that crossover into, you know, the world stage. No, and I mean, we have maybe, I mean, in the last 20 years, how, I can, I, you can probably count on one hand how many international drivers have made the NASCAR circuit. Right. I just mm-hmm. feel like our sports and motorsports world, not so much sports, because especially the NBA is very international, but... Um, we just feel very closed off, and I think mm-hmm. I think that's where you see the drop off of Le Mans and pretty much any other major motorsport, um, which is weird because you know obviously we show that America had this huge passion for you know Le Mans and all these other types of racing. Um, obviously, it's probably a little glorified in this movie, um, and I don't really know where I'm going with any of this. So feel free well, to no, stop I me. Mean, I think <laughs> you're, like. Yeah, Jeff, you go. I, I say, feel I, like you're you're kind of less uh, in like just kind of hooked, tapped into this world, right? Well, I wonder. I mean, I kind of wonder if there's two giant macro factors as a part of this. One specific to racing, which is that this um, this entry was both um, a financial boon for Ford to be seen as the mm-hmm. winner of this, and there were personal rivalries. As part of it, obviously they mm-hmm. touch on it um, hugely in the movie where uh, Ford is trying to buy Ferrari. Ferrari says "fuck off," and then Ford's like, "I'm going to come and destroy the one thing you love, which is the Le Mans victories." And from my understanding, is that that relationship between Ford and Ferrari uh, was actually depicted pretty accurately. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I kind of, you know, I, I wonder. A big part of what was selling in the 60s and what Ford was trying to do is they were trying to sell sports cars. So the idea of taking their product and competing with it and being able to sell something, maybe not exactly like the Shelby, right? Mm -hmm. But I mean, to be able to sell something that has that brand that wins championships, like there's a consumer buy-in to it as well. And I kind of wonder if Mm -hmm. just over time, the fact that racing has fallen off a little bit in terms of its uh, primacy as a sport within America and the types of cars that people are trying to buy, right, are very different than what they were in the 60s. Mm-hmm. There's lots of factors, right? But, like, you're not going to see as many people going out and buying a car that won <clears throat> Le Mans Championship because, one, there are not as many people trying to buy those cars and it just doesn't have the same footprint that it had. Like, mm-hmm. people might still go out and buy, like, people buy products that will make them better at whatever sport they're trying to compete in mm-hmm. but there's nothing quite like motorsports where you're trying to buy a car that also competes in this sport like that's a huge mm-hmm. there is no other equivalent of product that you would i don't know like a boat I you know what i mean like maybe like the <laughs> like the, the sailing thing i can regatta. think of yeah the the only thing i can think of right now and closest thing uh, like and to show how far out of the you know, the common man cars like this are like, you know, they can't sell this to just anybody anymore. Um, but the, there's a piece that, uh, Spencer Hall did for, um, 
uh, every day should be Saturday. Uh, he <laughs> he was able to uh, like test drive a Hellcat for a weekend, and he did a whole like rundown of it. And it's like that; those types of cars are just not what is you know accessible to the common market or the common consumer at this point. No, right. right. I mean, you do see people who are giant fans of NASCAR who are loyal to. Like that manufacturer. Team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're like, I'm Team Chevy, and so they buy mm-hmm. Chevys, right? Well, like, and I think what NASCAR NASCAR really excels in this aspect is, you know, obviously in no way is this is is it a Ford Mustang, but they brand the car, you know, Ford is the Mustang, Chevy is the Camaro. Obviously those aren't those cars. Mm-hmm. But people can see those. Say that's what my favorite driver drives, so I can go out and buy this right, exactly. twenty-five thousand dollars. This is the Camaro. cool guy version of what my favorite driver drives. Right. right, I can slap on a door magnet, and here we go. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe my point of people aren't buying the cars that are competing in the sports isn't really true because you do have the NASCAR tie-in, but you don't necessarily have the international like American supremacy necessarily right. that you have because most of the and keep me honest here, guys. Most of the manufacturers and most of the cars competing within NASCAR, like a lot of them are, manu- are American manufacturers. They all are. Okay. Mm-hmm. So does like does I know Honda has something. Uh, right? No, that's not. I believe Nissan is trying to break in. Okay. Um, but the established ones are all going right. to be American manufacturers. Ford, Ford, Chevy, and Toyota. So now they're competing mm-hmm. with each other, which is still you know an important. It's important for Chevy to beat Ford in NASCAR. Right. Right. Like I get that, but they're not competing. There's no like American versus a non-American aspect. And in like the 60s, that would have sold super well. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. Well, and they use that whole, you know, they use the whole Ford racing at the time. Wait, is, you know, uh, NASCAR is wasn't as big. Is Toyota considered American now? Say what? again? Is Toyota considered American yeah. now? I for, okay. Um, I believe gonna, it's made in America. Yeah. Or, or all ours are. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, you know, they did this whole Ford racing thing to sell the Mustang. Um and I, I believe the Mustang is still the number one selling sports car in America. It's got to be. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, but I think, it, I mean. The Z78. So it's kind of a weird, I don't know. It like, <laughs> Let me put T-tops on my racing car. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I, just, I think it's just kind of a, it's, it's kind of a double-sided, you know, double-edged sword, however that saying goes. Um, you know, you have Ford. You know, you have the auto man, the American manufacturers who could promote because they make cars for all these events. Like Corvette had, you know, Corvette, Mustang, GT40, what have you, are all major are all major players in international racing still. But mm-hmm. they don't market that. So us as Americans, we don't we lose interest in the sport gradually because it's not in front of us. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So then they can come back and say, well, there's no demand for it. Well, if you promoted it more and got it more attention, maybe there'd Mm -hmm. be more, you know, involvement in the sport. Right. Yeah. But like, you know, the only thing you can see on TV is NASCAR on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And God, if you watch that, you're going to watch about an hour's worth of Fox news commercials. So, yeah. Exactly. And I, I know far more about how to get like get looped in and be able to watch MotoGP stuff. And I mean, I'm going out of my way to find it, but that was pretty easy to do. 
Whereas it's, I feel like just keeping up with anything outside of NASCAR in America is impossible. And even NASCAR itself is just, it's difficult to break into. Right. Yeah. So I, it's just kind of a, a conundrum, you know, it, it's just kind of, I, it's fallen off and I, there's really no good way to bring it back. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I have an idea. Let's hear it. Um, I think. Death this, Race 2000. No, this is a serious idea. We give all the drivers Delta 8. I, potentially, I think every driver should be given a gun. (laughs) (laughs) You also must have a a lit cigarette at all times in the car. You know, I don't know if you guys ever played the classic uh, 2004. Vigilante 8? Oh, Vigilante 8 was a classic. No, I'm thinking thinking of the classic uh, Road Rage. Do you guys ever play Road Rage? Yes. Played Road Rash. Road rash, yes. Road rash, probably road rash. On Where motorcycles? Like, motorcycles, and they have like have chains a chain. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's basically what I'm proposing. Give all the drivers guns and chains and see what happens. I'm you know fine what, with you it. You know what they need to make? It, they need to make a road rash movie, but then set it, not in when the game came out, but set it in like the 80s. Oh, yeah. So you mix, mix like, just basically throw in, make 19, class of 1984 and make it a motorcycle game. I mean, that's basically just the first Mad Max. Oh, well. Maybe Before it goes a full, little, like, post-world society. Throwing a little roadhouse in there, maybe. Okay, well, you know, people rehash things all the time, so... It's true. I would I would take a Road Rash movie, very much if you style it after Class of 1984. I have a totally different direction that I would be interested in. Who do you think is the modern Patrick Swayze? If we were going to try to bring in some, like, roadhouse elements to a Road Rash movie. Hmm. Um, I don't know who's who's like the who who's like the A list action star. I mean, like Hemsworth. I mean, Hemsworth oh, is where I no, went. Hemsworth. You know what the answer is. Now I can't think of his name because I put myself on the spot. As you do. Were you hoping you would prompt us and we're like, oh, yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> Henry Cavill. Henry, oh, Henry Cavill in Patrick Swayze's role in Roadhouse. Oh, fuck. Talk about a guy that would be busting out of some jeans. Oh, man. (laughs) We're talking about movies where, like, we keep doing too much IP, and we're all like, what if we rebooted Roadhouse? (laughs) (laughs) That's the one no one's expecting, though. All right, should we review this movie? Yeah, let's let's talk about (laughs) Ford vs. Ferrari. (laughs) We kind of talked about the synopsis, but we'll we'll We did, and we... You want me to do a the, quick rundown? No, I think we're good. I think okay. we covered enough of people that. I, I think, yeah. There's a race. If people have held on through that last 30 minutes of <laughs> yeah, cultural of race rant. talk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming you've but, seen it by this point. Yeah. And I, I feel like this is one that a lot of people are going to have seen because it's, I mean, first and foremost, it's an easily accessible movie. Not from like uh, act like getting it standpoint, you have to rent it, whatever. But I mean, anybody could probably sit down with this movie and have a good time. It's pretty family friendly, right? Like there's not actually yeah. that much in here that you couldn't watch with anybody. So it's mm-hmm. a, you, you talked about it earlier, it's a dad anime. It's, yeah, it's totally that anime. You know what this, I mean, obviously this, it's about racing. This movie made me think of Speed Racer. Like there's so many oh, of those yeah. shots in there that are just like, Ooh. Well, I need to go look at this, but I believe the Ferrari's um or Speed Racer's car was based on the Ferraris that they raced okay. in this. I think. I'd have to don't quote me on that, but I think the character work in this movie is really great too. I think uh 
Matt Damon, uh, who's in the news right now. Um, we don't need to touch on that. Uh, <laughs> Using the F word. Ford. Just telling on himself. <laughs> Ferrari. Yeah, man. Just the worst movie we could have... Well, I guess The Departed would have been worse for this situation. But... Um, Anyway, uh, the characters, everybody's role is great. Um, I mean, and it comes down to Christian Bale and Matt Damon uh, as Shelby and Miles. They're Um, phenomenal. Them together, just incredible on-screen chemistry. I mean... Oh, yeah. Did you know... So I saw something about, uh, when I was looking up stuff for this movie, that uh, Cruz and Pitt were originally who were looked at. Oh, wow. Days of Thunder? Yeah. So... I mean, yeah, that'd be cool. I, I don't know. I. So would they make Cruz the? See, I don't know who would have been who. The British driver. I mean, well, so I would assume Brad Pitt would be Carol Shelby. Yeah, which I, mean, I think you could do, and keep Christian Bale, but. I, I think you see, I, I would, can't I, see I, either I of would them as Miles. It. I wouldn't recast anything in this. No, I, I think it's. Not Christian Bale is a perfect. Greasy Englishman. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and you know he had a great time doing this, yeah. just like as a as a Welshman. Yeah. Like, so like, like hell right, yeah, we're gonna put a little bit of makeup on you that looks like you got. He's like, no. <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna cover myself in motor oil, and we're gonna make it work. <laughs> uh, I I like and beyond the characters, the human elements of this story are really engaging. Like, you care about. Uh, Miles and Shelby's investment in taking on Ferrari. And you you are along for the ride of Ford kind of pushing forward through this, but you you know, you are never really on either of the company's sides, and the movie does a great job of steering into that because, you know, the movie ends with them just giving a big finger to Ford. And just ag- addressing the uh, issues of like corporations overtaking what art should be. Yeah. Right. Um, Jeff, I have Skype open on my phone, so I can't pull up the link you sent. Oh, that's too bad. But speaking, I feel, Oh, go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. No, 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 no. Um, I feel like we can't talk about character work though, without mentioning Josh Lucas, uh, who plays Leo Beebe, the lead villain of this movie. And he just crushes it as the guy you absolutely root against. Oh, I hate He's him. He's such a skis. I hate him. He's a corporate suck-up in the worst way. Which, and I mean that as a compliment to Josh Lucas. Because I fucking hated the guy. Yeah. Which should be mentioned anytime you're talking about a character in a movie you don't like. Don't go after the actor. He's uh-huh. just They're just doing a good job of being a sack of shit. Yep. Um, not that I don't, I don't think any of our listeners are people that go after actors for roles they do. Um, they're not that bad on Twitter, <laughs> but you know, I feel like that should, that's just a, another thing that should be said when you're talking about good character actors. Absolutely. You know, Josh Lucas is in the forever purge. Another classic. You know, another classic he is movie. also, he has also shared the silver screen with one Kurt Russell. Ooh. In Poseidon. Oh. What is Poseidon? Interesting. Uh, Titanic 2. Oh, they did it again? 
Pretty much. It, it's a cruise They're going to stop that, taking those boats up there, man. It, 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 well, it's like a, it's a cruise ship that gets turned over by a tsunami or something. And, yeah, it I, it was really good for, like, 2006. Gotcha. What what do I know Ray McKinnon from, guys? The um, Well, I mean, the I, are you on Letterboxd? I mean... Well, I'm looking, and, like, there's a very specific role where he looks exactly the same as he does in Ford vs. Ferrari. Yeah, the blind side. He's the head, the football coach. Uh, yeah, see, I, I don't really care for that film. I'd say I think r- I've seen, like, half of it. Uh, Ray McKinnon. Apollo 13. He was in Sons of Anarchy. He was in Apollo 13. The Accountant. What else is he in? I'm trying to think like things he'd be about that age. Am I? Oh my god! Am I thinking of the Footloose reboot? Was he remake? Was he in the Footloose? Oh yeah. Is that what you know him from? Maybe. I don't know. I thought I knew him from something. Oh, you probably know him from Dolphin Tale. That that's the one. (laughs) That's what it is. That's it. That's what it is. Problem solved. He's in Um, a bunch of TV shows too. Like you probably have seen him in like a. He's a character actor. You know what I mean? Oh no 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 no. Okay. Oh um, he's oh brother, where art thou? That's yep. That's that's what I'm thinking of. He doesn't look the same, but um, very or that's that's where he's drilled into my memory from. Or did you see him on the single episode of NYPD Blue that he did <laughs> named Ted? The episode name was Taint Misbehaving. <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck is that episode about? That's the one. Taint that's misbehaving. Hold that's on. it. Now I'm that's, going down. I, we gotta get. I we gotta get him on the show and ask him how many times people stop him and go. Aren't Taint you misbehaving? The, aren't you the guy from <laughs> Taint misbehaving? That episode of NYPD Blue. Uh, the synopsis on IMDb for Taint misbehaving. Mm, Mama told me not to. I did anyway. Taint misbehaving. <laughs> We should we should rename our Jeremy Gleason's <laughs> the Taint Misbehaving Award. The Taint Misbehaving Award. That puts us on a list. I'm, no, I'm in. We're doing the Taint Misbehaving. Oh my God! So there's a horse name on this podcast. It is impossible for a new listener to possibly. Yeah, we we are incredibly imagine? opaque. If this is your first episode, now now we need to go to like Dollar Tree and find the cheapest medal or trophy we can, buy it in bulk. And then send it to the actors we give the award to. Oh my and be like, God. congratulations, yes. you've been awarded the Taint Misbehaving Award by... Ray McKinnon, hey guys. for your efforts in Ford vs. Ferrari, <laughs> the Taint Misbehaving Award. There's got to be a way we could find it, like his agency or something to send it to. They're going to be like, we need to quarantine this immediately and burn it. <laughs> There's like an FBI bond. There's no it. way any of those ever make it to the actor. <laughs> but could you imagine uh, if we just need one two though? But we, what we yeah. do is we take a picture of it and we tweet it out and say, this week's winner for the Taint Misbehaving Award, Ray McKinnon. And we tag him and then we send it to his agent. And that yes. way he can be mad at his agent. Like, why didn't I get that Taint Misbehaving Award? <laughs> All right, what what else did we like about Ford vs Ferrari? Uh, the sound design. Sound yeah. design was incredible. Oh my gosh, this little vroom vrooms. I yeah, this is a movie. I I don't care how loud I turn it up. Um, mm-hmm. If I can't hear myself think, I know it's at a good volume for this movie. Yeah. You know, 
this would be a great candidate for like a bring your own movie to like a screen land or something like that, that would be oh yeah because like oh, i can't yeah. i can't imagine like this is a movie it was fine on my screen but i can't imagine mm-hmm. being surrounded because you did you oh, see yeah. this in theaters rally i did nice. yeah okay. mm-hmm. i wish Dro- i had. drove like a madman afterwards <laughs> <laughs> blow all your brakes out and it was also the first movie i watched when we got our sound bar yeah nice uh, and I mean, just you know, putting putting racing front and center in this movie is a great choice. I I have a couple caveats about that later, um, but for the most part, I I really enjoy how much racing and driving we get to see in this. Yep. Was there anything about this movie that you didn't like? I thought some of the visual effects did not look great. And they really took away from a lot of the driving. I'm curious, because I had a similar point. I'm curious, there was a crash during the Le Mans race mm-hmm. that was very... Cl- obviously, it was very clearly CGI. And, mm-hmm. like, was right. not a real car crashing. Which I understand. Like, you, but, yeah. but I also... Like, it was... Because the rest of the film, I thought, was, like, pretty grounded. Like, I thought they did a good yeah, job making so. everything feel real. I think a lot of Le Mans in general looked very CG heavy to the point that it was jarring, and I don't think it's going to age well. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I in the in the there were two th- like the crashes didn't look real to me. The only other thing that brought me out of it a little bit was like when they had them next to each other and they're like looking at each other. Like that is mm-hmm. also very clearly like just them sitting in a fake car with a green screen. But mm-hmm. I I wasn't bothered by anything else. Those are the only two in the Le Mans that stuck so, out to me. I want to say in the, the, the main crash, you know, the main focal crash at this point, uh, you know, where it's somersaulting, I think, mm-hmm. I believe they only CGI, so there was obviously CGI done in it, but I know there was a practical aspect that, because I, I saw, some, I remember seeing some behind the scenes shot that they mm-hmm. do, they do roll some car. I don't think it's a 1967 Ferrari, you know, that's valued at a billion dollars or whatever. I think the biggest issue is not that they didn't go full practical, but that they went too heavy with a lot of the like CG touch-ups. And I think, yeah, I would say it's very noticeable when that car starts to crash. Mm -hmm. Um, I think even on a lot of the straightaways from the, the way the, you know, the color grading and everything on the film looked through or in the film looked throughout the rest of the movie um and you had a lot of that like technicolor like 70s um kind of just like visual aesthetic through a lot of, or 60s but you know that you know what i'm talking about the 60s 70s aesthetic similar to uh the visual motif of once upon a time in hollywood anything set that really wants to commit to kind of that period you have that throughout everything else but then everything looks so slick and there's so much sheen on everything that it looks everything just looks so pristine once you get into uh, Le Mans. Yeah, which, I mean, is an interesting choice because you you know or you can tell that there's a practical aspect behind there. Like, they yeah. all shot it practical, so, or, you know, most of it. But then, like you said, there are some weird scenes where they kind of airbrush over things. Yeah, and that's the biggest issue is, like, you know a lot of this driving is happening, but they take away from what is being done with the driving with just the way they go over everything I wonder, with CG. I wonder if that was a way... Because a lot of the in-race footage 
is onboard cameras. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if they did that as a way to try and counteract any shaky cam. That's uh, fair. Which I mean, yeah. So I think I think you have to kind of sit down and say, what do you what would you rather have a mm-hmm. a smoother shot or a more realistic shot that's going to be kind of jambled and, around. And right. see, I know the 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 wider audience is going to want that smoother, cleaner cut shot, but I think this movie could have benefited so much from having some of those like very realistic like uh rattling shots that you would get while right. racing. I think that would translate better to an in-home watch. Yeah. I think that would really rattle some people if you went and did that in the theater or in the, you know, in a theatrical mm-hmm. viewing, I think with having it so up and up close and in your face on a lot of those camera angles, I think a shaky cam would be really um, almost like, like kind of jarring to a point. Yeah. Of, and, and which I, I mean, I, I guess, you know, racing 200 miles for 24 hours is jarring, but exactly. And that's that's more of that would have kept me more engaged once we got into the meat of the Le Mans race, um, especially after a, another big issue I have. I know this is based in, you know, this is actually what happened, but just from a filmmaking standpoint and like structuring, dude, the Ferrari uh, Ferrari goes out way too early in the whole like the just the the pace of the Le Mans scene in the movie. It's oh, tough. you th- they they. You think that they get a lead too early? Like they well, say they're like two laps ahead of us too soon? Well, no, not even is. that. I, it's when um, his car, when the Ferrari gives out and oh, is completely out of the race. I, I know. I'm just saying structure-wise of the, it's just like. You could have shown, happens, you could have shown, you should, you could have cut out, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's I a 24-hour race, so it's really hard to condense that i think yeah I mean, without I think they, making it feel rushed they give See, priority it, to me it did already feel rushed maybe you give more space before that happens i think honestly what they chose to do and i'm not saying i agree with it but like it is funny that the point of the movie is ford versus ferrari and the final conflict is not ford versus right ferrari. exactly it's, i think that's probably why ford yeah yeah that i think that's why like you get that you know, Miles and Shelby, they beat Ferrari. But then mm-hmm. it turns out that that's not even who they were up against. And that's that's where I think the, the issue for me lies, at least just because, like, there wasn't enough. I wanted more of, like, the battle between, actually, on the track, the battle between uh, Miles and the Ferrari driver. And it just, you know, once once he peters out of the race it loses what has been sold as the main conflict of the movie. And then you have to kind of rush to latch onto this other conflict between the drivers. I know this is all actually what happened, but it just, it it is tough. I did like the whole conflict between the three, four drivers and miles having to make the choice to slow down. I think that's great. It just, I don't know. It, it kind of lost me. I don't, I do think they disagree. Go ahead, Jeff. No, I think we're going to make the same point. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I disagree that you that you have to rush to latch on to the the overarching conflict because they make it such a point going up to Le Mans that Ford and BB and, you know, all the higher ups are pretty much, you know, against any kind of free thinking 
in this. Like mm-hmm. it's there. It's it's I mean, what it's the whole we're going to want to do right. You know. So what I, mean? I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I just I I think. I think it. I think instead of rushing to latch on, it actually comes back to our second act problem. Okay, that's um, that's fair. I, I, I think, think I think titling fair... the movie Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, yes. I, yeah. And I we should also you know acknowledge that outside of the U.S. it was titled Le Mans '66. And I think right. had we had we gotten it marketed with that title here, um, I would have had no issue with it, especially because you know I don't until now I wasn't familiar with you know, everything that happened leading up to Le Mans 66. So I, I think it kind of comes down to that, but yeah, it just, you know, it, it kind of fizzled out for me until that like final, you know, the choice for miles to do it. But then even if you're not familiar, you do know you're like, yeah, miles is going to slow down. He's going to slow down and kind of let this happen. I do think, I mean, I, I think you have a good point, right? Which is that there's three acts of the movie. The first act is, Ford versus Ferrari, right? Mm -hmm. It's totally Mm -hmm. about what can Ford do to beat Ferrari. And the second act is all of the infighting within Ford. And the third act is the culmination of both of them. But they give primacy to the infighting of Ford over the beating of Ferrari. And part of that, I think, is because in real life, one happens before the other. They beat Ferrari, and then there's the infighting end, which sucks. And so I think that it's hard to get around that. But I do think... I do think because there is such a rivalry between Henry Ford II and um, Enzo Ferrari, I do think it would be interesting to see a movie where that's the primary conflict, is yeah. those two guys trying to compete with each other and like getting their people to like do what they want. And I think it's just ultimately that the better human interest story was the driver and Shelby versus Ford versus Ferrari. But I do well, agree. That, and it, it, I do... I, I like the choice to make so much of the focus on the Ford infighting and the way that Ford's corporate structure and corporate interest affects, you know, the the artistry and the craft that goes into creating it and then Miles driving it. Like, I long run, that's a better, you know, story focus just because, I mean, anything that addresses capitalism in a blockbuster dad movie, like, that's phenomenal i love that but just the the way we got there wasn't my favorite fair okay and i should say this is still a very good movie but i i had significantly more enjoyment in the first half than i did in the Le Mans scene itself that's so interesting because i like for me it's like the opposite like i thought the first part was good i enjoyed it it's a good character mm-hmm. study but the parts for me that were the most fun were once they got to Le Mans. So I think, you know what I mean? Just two different takes mm-hmm. for sure. All I'm, right. Uh, any, you guys have anything else? No, I was just going to ask, do we no. want to look about our favorite scene? Let's do it. Can I start? Absolutely. Okay. So like I said, my favorite writ large thing is I, I like when they get to Le Mans. The action there I think is much more fast paced. It's a lot of fun. But my other favorite scene is like, it's very small it's the first Le Mans race where Ken Miles is left and he's in the garage and they show him listening to it mm-hmm. and they have the airplane like moving the light and so it looks like the cars are racing on the wall behind him. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't tell if that's like me being like, oh, that's a cool, non-subtle <laughs> shot. Mm-hmm. But I, I liked it anyways. You know what I mean? It's like, cool. Man. I just thought it was cool. I thought the, the sound worked really well there because they have the roaring of the engines on the radio and you get it filtered through that sound. And you get him like trying to not be overly bummed about what's happening. You know what but I mean? Yeah, so. yeah, but you can tell 
what it means to him. Right. I thought that yeah. was one of the better emotional, besides maybe some of the stuff at the end. Like I thought yeah. it was one of the better emotional scenes of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, Riley, what about you? For me, I am going to go, I mean, it's hard to pick one, but I'm going to go with the introduction of Ken Miles. Um, That's really at our, good. At our first race in the movie. Um, one, his fight with Shelby, uh, throwing the wrench through his mirror, and <laughs> taping it up. I also love his argument with the rules director. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And he just walks off and then beats the hell out of his truck. It's so um, good. I just, I love how they set up his character and the way he thinks when he's mm-hmm. in the car. It's such um, an endearing I love, introduction to him. Right. I love his dialogue mid race, like how he yells at all the drivers. Cause that's just very much, I feel like that captures very much like the racing spirit, how like all drivers are, um, so that yeah, that's that's my standout. Okay, uh, we're going all three different scenes here today, boys, because my favorite is the uh, is the scene is the fight in the front yard <laughs> of Ken Miles's house, um, because it's just like th- this means a lot to both guys, and it is a very emotional thing, but also like r- like grand scheme of things, it's a completely ridiculous thing to have two grown men fist fighting in his front yard and his wife like completely sells that by she just comes out pops her chair down and then you know he asks for a fizzy pop at the end after they're both just like gassed because Mm -hmm. it's it's the most dad fight too like because they're both winded after the first like few punches and they're hitting each other with like loaves of bread and just it's not a good fight and that's what makes it a good scene right well you have a well-crafted bad fight you have matt damon reach for something see the can and then grab the loaf of bread. Yeah, he's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like hurt him, but I'm, I'm real, me- I'm just pissed off about this. I thought it was a great, it was an honestly great depiction of two guys who know they're gonna be friends after the fight. Yeah, and during the fight, they have that in mind, which and is they like know a very, that they just have to have this fight, like they have to have this out, which seems like a very like spe- like time specific guy code thing. You know what yeah. I mean? They're like, we're gonna have a fist fight. But it's it's gonna be fine later. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I have not had a fist fight that ended in friendship in a while. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Riley's bachelor party is coming up. Yeah, now. we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna work that into the schedule. <laughs> Two p.m. brewery, three p.m. fist fight <laughs> in the brewery parking lot. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about letdown scene? Well, I have a big one. Okay, go ahead. Um, it's unfortunately because in real life it's what happened, but man, to go yeah. from, to go from punch. the, him losing at Le Mans because Ford fucked him over to being like, you know what, let's pick ourselves up and let's design a good car to then him like driving the car and his brakes failing after his kid told him, Hey, the brakes are seem important. Maybe do good with those. And then he just fucking dies in a big ball of fire. Yeah, it's that's rough. Like I, I get it's what happened, and I don't know how you would have fit into the movie otherwise. But it just seems like this really weird, sweet moment that turns into something like really fucking awful, and you're just like, and that's just the end. And then the, I remember texting you guys. I was like, I'm never buying another Ford as long as I live. Like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, Ferrari for life, man. Yeah, 
Um, I I think you could have ended with uh, Miles and uh, Shelby leaving Le Mans with yeah. the decision to go and work on the car again. I think that's fine. Would you could would have, you have ended? Done... Would you have ended it there with with you know like the text on screen? Yes. Saying I I think so. Ken Miles like, died two months later testing the yeah. Like I remember well, then the Titans even that type that of... almost feels right. like a feels like a weird bad joke of like hey let's go build this car and then it's like. Two months later, Ken Miles died. <laughs> the gang like, dies in a car crash. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it would have been—I think it would have been less, especially the decision to be like, "There's a call out early in the movie where the kid's like, hey, the brakes seem important,' and the guy's like, "It's fine as long as he gets out of the car.'" And then at the end, it's oh, like, the fire, yeah, yeah. Then there's the fire, and he didn't get out of the car. And then they afterwards say sometimes they don't get out of the car, and you're just like, I mean, I get it's a reality of racing, but like. What the fuck narrative choice is it to be like, hey, you know how that kid was like, my dad might die? Well, he was right. You know what I mean? Like, don't, I feel like I would have, I would have done that a different way. I think I agree with you. I think you end on the high note of them symbolically winning Le Mans. He gets the triple Mm -hmm. crown. He decides he's going to continue helping even though he was fucked over, which shows character on his part. Then you could have done the fade to black and done the text and been like, he continued to help and they did this great thing and they won, sadly. Ken Miles died in a car crash like Destiny. Like, that would have been... It would have been yeah. jarring, but I, it would I have been fine. I think there's a different... Yeah. And I I got to go with... I mean, that's, that's kind of where I'm landing on letdown scene because other than the, you know, how early the Ferrari fizzle out happens during Le Mans, like, there's not a lot to complain about with the movie as far as specific scenes go. I think it's pretty remarkable that this being a real story, the way they told it, didn't seem overly embellished in any specific yeah. way. Like if you go read the Wikipedia for this race, it's pretty spot on with mm-hmm. what they did. Riley, what about uh, you? Uh, I, I don't know if I have one. And that's fine. Yeah. We can I, go ahead and move into our taint misbehaving award uh, for the actor in the role you would have liked to see more of, or who did the most with the least. I'll, I'll start on this one. Um, I'm going to go with one John Barenthal. Yep. Yeah. Him as uh, Lee Iacocca is great. I thought he, I, I really liked his role as like, um, you know, you have a good guy on the inside. Um, a guy that actually cared about Ford racing within Ford. Um, now, obviously, you know, you can only do so much while staying accurate to the story, mm-hmm. but... Um, yeah, that's just who I'm going to go with. His yeah. taint was misbehaving. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm I'm uh, I'm on board with that. I like uh, Barenthal's Lee Iacocca a lot, and uh, I also really, I really liked, or I would have wanted more, as I said, of just the Ferrari driver in general, and more of that conflict and that race on the track. Jeff, what about you? Um, for me, it's kind of a tie. I, I mean, obviously, both guys in the, the main roles are, are pretty fantastic. Josh Lucas turns in a great, you know, villain role where you just hate Leo Beebe. I think I'm between, though, the people that I liked the most, or that were, did the most of the least, was uh, Tracy Letts as Henry Ford II. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. I really like Tracy Letts and a lot of other Who, stuff. Just If I wasn't looking, like, directly at screen when he was on, I thought it was uh, John Lithgow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he could have easily been. Sounds exactly the same. Yeah, 
Um, I also, and we talked about it before, but I thought Ray McKinnon as the like supporting, like team lead, head, head engineer. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I thought yeah. he was really he good was as great. Well. Both of those are so understated, and they they allowed the main people to be the stars while still moving mm-hmm. it forward, and it felt very honest for both of them. And so I, I really like both of those performances. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean, there's not really a bad performance in here. Uh, so let's move on our draft and then ratings. And draft tonight, I didn't prep you guys for this one, uh, but let's go racing movies. Can we say racing movies that are not the Fast and Furious? Yes, we're going well, to exclude Fast me. and Furious. Okay, Jeff can use Fast and Furious. Christ alive. How many racing movies do you think guys guys have seen? Uh, fuck. Someone, you can go ahead. Ty. All right. Um, so I am first. I another another good um, like similar rivalry battle thing. I'm gonna go with Rush. Mm-hmm. I think that is that's like you know the F1 version of this. R.I.P. Nikki Lauda. Yeah, he just died like two years ago, I think. Yeah, it was pretty recent, and uh, Iacocca also died uh, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um. Hmm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Talladega Nights. Yeah. I I wondered when it was uh, how quickly it was gonna go. Or should we just say like a car or racing movies? Car so movies. Jeff has something yeah. to work with. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you're giving me like that many more to work with, but I appreciate cars. The <laughs> <laughs> well, don't fucking say one of my picks. <laughs> I'll pick a different one. Uh, I mean, oh fuck! I had a good one for this. God damn it! What was that going to be? Is this my I mean, turn? Come on, Jeff! It's come my, on! It's my turn. I have to pick one, right? Come on, dude! You know what I'm gonna pick? Uh, there's a softball for you. I'm gonna pick Drive. That that's it. That's the one there I was go. going for. I knew you could do it. <laughs> one of my favorite movies of all time, actually. It has moved into my top ten. A hallowed yeah. place to be. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So my second pick. Oh, yeah, duh. Okay. Easy pick for me. Uh, great director, great uh, antagonist. I'm going with Death Proof. It's a good one. Also, incredible practical driving work. Similar to that, I am going to take Baby Driver. Yeah. Oh, fuck you. Okay. Fine, um, you know what has a great uh, a great car scene, competitive racing, lots of drama. Uh, I'm gonna go Do with it. Little Do Rascals. It. Oh, that, that <laughs> I really thought we were gonna get a Ready Player One pick. Oh man, oh man. Um, no, I mean the Ready Player One scene. It's just like not really realistic. And so for my third pick. Uh, you want something you similar to this movie, especially. This movie has a really great uh, first half and lead up to the big race, uh, and that is going to be Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot on the line, and you spend a good 45 minutes watching this race, and just getting the pod to work. Yeah, hitting stuff with a wrench. <laughs> All right, Riley, your third pick. Um... Uh, 
I'm going to go how uh, I'm going to just take the American classic Days of Thunder. Yeah. It's a good one. There are some there are still some good ones on the board, man. Uh I mean, here's here's Oh, run. Jeff, come on. I'm gonna another pick, I'm going to pick my own. I got uh, now that it's not about racing and it can be about car chases. Yeah, I've I got, like I've got I, more. Come on, dude. Um, do it. Do it. Another softball. I, if I know you well, stop I know the movie. doing that. Uh, let me Come pick on, my man. own goddamn movies. No, I've got it nailed down already. I've got um, it figured out. I'm trying to. Be, there's there's two that I'm trying to. You're pick trying between. not to pick the one you know I'm thinking of. I really I really actually don't know which one you're thinking of. You know what? I'm gonna pick another Matt Damon movie. Uh, you know what has an excellent car chase? It's not the best of the trilogy, but it does have an excellent car chase. The Bourne Supremacy okay. has a really, really good car chase. I actually saw how they did it, and they like put it up on rails to like slam it across the median. It's it's pretty. It's that pretty is good. a really great uh, car chase. It's good practical. Um, yeah the uh, the correct answer was uh, Michael Mann's 2004 thriller Collateral. Oh, ah. Uh. A great car movie. Yes, I was I was lobbing it up there for you. You know, an even better car chase from probably an even better director, uh, Tenet. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a car chase say, with really fucking boring cars. <laughs> yeah. The I will say the uh, the time the time stuff. That's the one scene where I think it really takes off. Yeah. Uh, if we're throwing out honorable mentions. I'm kind of curious. There's a couple others. Uh, the the vault. Italian job. Well, the Italian yeah. job. It's a great one. The Fury vault, Road. The vault scene in Fast Five. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Weren't we leaving out Fast and Furious? Yes, oh we yeah. What enough? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. The there's a whole handful that we could dip into there, but uh, Jeff, what was it? Was it not Mission? Was it the one before Mission Impossible Fallout? So five, right? Where he drove the old BMW. Yes, Rogue Nation. I think so. Yeah, he, he drove. He drove like the old BMW through London or something. But that's an awesome car chase. That is a good car. Honestly, all of the Mission Impossibles have good car yeah. chases. Mm-hmm. Um, Slash motorcycle chases. Yeah. Uh, all right. Hold Fallout on. Has some great motorcycle chases. We definitely need to talk more Mission Impossible, but. Let's do ratings and get out of here because we're sitting in hour eighteen. So Jeff, Let them rate listen. it. Uh, <laughs> so this one is really good. Um, I'm stuck between two ratings. I think I'm just going to bump it up, and I'm going to say this is an eight. I think you could say it's a seven and a half for some of the the character work is both good and at times slow. Because um, the movie's the movie's what two and a half hours. So, I mean, it's a it's yes. a fairly long movie. We did not talk about the length. Yeah, it's a little it's a little long. I mean, I think it's it's mostly, a long race. It's mostly good, <laughs> but yeah, I would say this one's probably sitting at uh, at an eight for me. Ty, go ahead. Riley. We know. No, okay, Ty, go I'll go. I'll finish this off. Yeah. Um, so I'm and kind of where Jeff is. I was kind of thinking the same thing. Uh, Tale of two ratings could easily bump this up to where jeff's at but i think i'm settling in right at a seven it feels low but it just i i feel like it's a very good movie and it it's as it's the peak of what it could be right now like this type of dad movie this is the peak dad movie yes just incredible um but still you know i 
there are just some parts that it didn't fully hook me. Um, but I mean, if if I'm making a Sunday out of this with uh, commercials on TNT, like this is, uh, I'm all in. On You'd it. have to be an afternoon because this is a two hour, 45 yeah. minute movie with TNT that's, commercials. You're looking that's at four hours at of four your day. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I, I think that's a great way to spend something like this. Yeah. Uh, Riley, give us your rating. Yeah, it's a 10 for yeah. me. Um, this scratches every itch I have uh, in terms of racing and movies and the combination of the two. Uh, you know, st- stunt work, sound design, character work, it all just completely lands for me. I mean, this is probably in my top 10. Um, I would watch it way more if I didn't have to dedicate two and a half plus. Mm-hmm. Um but if I hit like a Friday night and I want to watch a movie, this is considered. So this, so this for you is once upon a time in Hollywood for me. Okay. <laughs> I, I feel like they feel a similar, I'm, I'm saying just like, that's, that's exactly how I am with that movie. A right. nuclear okay. level. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just I mean we all, we all have those you. movies that like, they just land every, you know, in every aspect you just, you want from a movie. They're just and, made for you, yeah. Right, and that's mm-hmm. this is my movie. That's what I was trying to get. Right, okay. I, yeah, not just like, okay. okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was trying to just like get at how this this movie is like tailor-made for you. Right. If it, if it was if it was MotoGP or motorcycle-based, then it'd be like an 11, but... Oh, buddy. Oh, if we could get a MotoGP movie like There'd this. There'd be some cool stuff you could do. I think Mick Dewins come back after like almost having his leg amputated would be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would give you the whole period piece because that was like the 80s and you know, you'd mm-hmm. have stylized bikes and all that stuff. That and, would be phenomenal. Um, there was a clip. Uh, I'll, we can end the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about it afterwards. Uh, but once again, thank you guys for listening. Uh, this has been another episode of Who the Hell is This For? Have a great week.